0: With the first pick. Welcome back to the Daft on Draft Podcast. I'm your co-host, Devin Jackson, and today I'm joined by Matt Valdevinos. Corey uh, couldn't be with us. Unfortunately, he has some things to take care of, but... Matt and I are here to hold down the Ford and, and uh, you know, finish our talk on 2023 and start transitioning to 2024. But before we get started, man, uh, Matt, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm staying in New Mexico for the summer. So that's where I am. Um, made the flight down over this past weekend. And so had some technical difficulties, like, you know, trying to get everything situated and working from my laptop. Finally, thank God the laptop already has the mic and the camera. So don't have to worry too much about that. A little bit of a change of scenery and whatnot. I still got to figure out exactly, you know, feel out where I'm going to record, uh, where I'm going to work and everything like that. But, you know, it's a good time. I'm excited to be here. The weather's gorgeous. It's just warm. we get my tan going. I'm doing great. How about you?
0: Pretty good. Uh I actually spent my time on the West Coast this past week. Went to Vegas. Uh, yeah. Oh, really nice. yeah. Yeah. We're dripping. Really nice. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> really nice to get away and, and uh, uh, take it all in see the strip and and everything and uh got to see a bunch of r&b artists at the lovers and friends festival so usher yeah that's awesome um, chris brown and all of them so it was cool to get away and not do anything football related but by the end (laughs) of the trip i was like all right i gotta gotta get back to it and and get ready for 24. uh but yeah so speaking of of draft classes uh we're gonna kind of put a a bow on on just the 2023 draft class as well And, and like we talked about in the last episode where we, uh, you know, kind of talked about some of our favorite draft classes, you know, some of our favorite picks, et cetera. Uh, this time around we're going to do uh, some similar to it, but but continue to try and get away from just ranking them, you know, all 32 teams, but more so picking out some of our favorite draft classes uh, and ones that we think are are going to produce early on um, in, in the, the 2023 season and then uh, towards the end, uh, talk about some offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year uh, picks, and uh, get into some 2024 talk. So, so Matt, why don't we go ahead and get started uh, with you and uh, the the topic that we had discussed uh, about uh, talking about some draft classes we think are going to have some early impacts on on the 2023 uh, NFL season.
1: Yeah, well, the first one that came to my mind was the Giants, and while I don't necessarily think. Um, I do love the Deontay Bangs pick, but I don't necessarily love the value of everyone, specifically like, you know, the Jalen Hyatt pick, which we'll talk to or we'll talk about in a sec. But, you know, my big thing for this is we're talking about the classes that are going to produce the most or the best um, production, give you the most in their first year. And to do that, I think you have to have drafted positions of major need immediately, you know, things that are you needed help with going into 2023, not necessarily needs that might come on down the road. And so to me, when you're going into the draft, the Giants' three biggest needs were uh, a wide receiver, uh, an interior offensive lineman, and a quarterback who can do that man-to-man stuff and be like the leader of Wink Martindales. You know, sometimes that, that heavy cover zero, uh, all in, like, you know, man-on-man, Deontay Banks kind of fits that perfectly. You've got that interior offensive lineman in John Michael Smith, and then you go out and you get Jalen Hyatt to be that you know, wide receiver that they they're lacking in talent for, and so I think it's really really great that, at least in terms of the positions they needed to be effective this year, uh, and guys that they they needed to come in and produce, uh, they knocked that out of the park, especially with all three of those. And you know, Saquon's not necessarily a super consistent and healthy guy, and there is an injury risk there at some points. And I think Eric Gray, their fourth round pick, you know, if you get a a tweak Saquon ankle or anything like that. He's out a week. He's out a couple weeks. Eric Gray might automatically be vaulted into a starting role. So that's four potential starters. You got um, just off your first four picks. So I think the giants did a really, really good job of addressing that and getting guys who can produce in year one.
0: Yeah. The giants uh, had a, a interesting kind of, uh, you know, way of going and attacking the draft. A lot of people thought they were going to address interior offensive alignment early um, and, 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 kind of what they did and what they were able to recoup, I think, uh, was impressive, but also the players and the potential that they can come in and produce immediately. So I'm going to go to another playoff team for my, uh, you know, kind of class to, to pick. And I'm going to go to the Buffalo Bills. And when when I look at what they were able to do, obviously, they got Dalton Kincaid. He's going to be a guy, I think, that can contribute from day one. Feels like he's more of a just a general pass catcher and not mm-hmm. just your typical tight end a wide tight end or even flex tight end. They're going to use them kind of all over the field. Obviously, they have uh, Dawson Knox already and brought him back, but I think uh, KK is going to really uh, boost their uh, passing game in terms of uh, attacking the middle of the field and uh, being able to to create mismatches. Uh, Osiris Torrance was another another guy that can come in and compete immediately uh, in the interior for Buffalo. Um, they, they've had some... Issues in pass protection, uh specifically on the that right side, uh, right tackle as well. And while Torrance isn't the the tackle necessarily, he immediately bolsters their running game, uh, something that they've been trying to get back to uh and as and another dynamic to their offense, is something that they've wanted to uh really instill and not just rely on Josh Allen, uh, you know, with the the vertical deep passing game. Dorian Williams, I think, was a sneaky uh good pick because Obviously, they lost uh, Edmonds in, in free agency, um, but, but he's a guy that you can, can plug and play. Uh, he, he's really instinctual, uh, can play on both uh, passing and running downs. I don't think he's quite uh, the same in terms of coverage as Edmonds brought, but I think he brings a, a better all-around game, and, and he's a bit undersized, but I think he, he's kind of the guy that they, they want in the, the middle of their defense and um, you know, really helping their uh defense and then you look at some of their day three picks nick broker is probably going to be a depth piece uh on that offensive line but another guard tackle guard slash tackle type player he played tackle and guard at Ole miss so he, he can provide depth alex austin i think is is going to be an, another depth piece potentially he may not even make the roster this year uh but but someone to watch and then justin shorter uh we'll see kind of what Comes of him in terms of what they do with him. But I, I think he certainly has the big body and athleticism uh, to be a contributor down the road. Uh, but those first three picks to me, I think all three of those guys, Kincaid, Torrance and Williams, I think all of them have a chance to to start immediately and, and, and be a heavy contributor to, to a playoff team in Buffalo.
1: Yeah, and I think Torrance's pass protection got a little bit undersold throughout the process, especially towards the end. And I think he brings value to that downfield Buffalo passing attack, too, in, in more than just the run game, which is good. Um, yeah, like you, I'm super interested in what they're going to do with Dalton Kincaid. They're just going to big slot it. Um, I mean, he gives you a nice variation, um, a different kind of skill set than Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs and the other guys they have there. So I do like that a lot. Um, and then – if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Justin Shorter like the number one wide receiver recruit? Um, I always think about that whenever – like just, of course, those guys always go. He moved around from like Penn State um, originally. And so, you know, those, those guys with huge talent who are always high-profile athletes, I always like just taking flyers on them because you never know. Um, but another class that I really, really like – we talked about this on the last episode. Probably just my favorite class overall, but the Cardinals, I'm going to continue to talk about them. Their first two picks are, you know, arguably the most important positions outside of quarterback, with Paris Johnson Jr. to be the left tackle of the future, uh, and BJ O'Gillari to be, you know, explosive pass rusher, a guy who can kind of move everywhere in Jonathan Gannon's defense, someone that, you know, a la Hassan Reddick, what he did in Philly last year, I think he can do a lot of that in Gannon's defense. And then their next two picks were another two, you know, their two third rounders were two high profile, her high value positions in quarterback and wide receiver. We all know we already talked about Garrett Williams, probably a higher pick if he's if not for the ACL. I think it was Rapp said he's going to be back by July or is when he's expected to be clear. So decent chance. I think he's got a good chance to start across from Wilson in that Cardinals defense. And then we've all heard about the DeAndre Hopkins trade stuff. Uh, what could come about that? If he goes before the season, then Michael Wilson, your other third round pick, has a chance to go be that kind of big bodied receiver that they kind of lack in that room once Nick is gone. And so – I think there's a chance that the Cardinals get a lot of production out of their class as well.
0: Yeah, the Cardinals, and we talked about quite a bit, they, they've they had a really impressive class just being able to uh, not only get, you know, just obviously had a lot of picks um, and, and could potentially have, have some early picks as well next year, uh, but they're setting themselves up to still field a competitive team. It's going to be a really young team. that's That's going to take a lot of lumps. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think and what, if they, Toon? what if Clayton tune, what if Clayton two beats out Colt McCoy, and then you're starting a rookie quarterback too.
1: And that year one production is insane for a class. Even if Clayton tunes on some, you know, long-term starter was no one expects him to be. If he's even playing six games, eight games, and it's the first eight games of the rookie year. Like that's really, that's a ton of production or at least a ton of, you know, snaps that a, a draft class is taking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, it, it's certainly going to be interesting to watch, uh, for sure. And, and I'll uh, kind of transition to another draft class that I think is is a little bit interesting, especially with the first four or five picks. I have to go to the Dallas Cowboys. I think they could have some some pretty uh, solid uh, you know contributors in year one. Uh, you look at a guy like Mozzie Smith. Um, you don't expect him to be an, an every down guy, especially uh, early on uh, along that Dallas defensive front, but I, I think he can can make an impact. Uh, at least early on in the run game, and, and kind of be that that run stopper in the middle, uh, and kind of develop. Um, Luke Shoemaker really interests me the, that pick particularly, not only because of the tight ends that were still on the board when they picked him, but it seems like they picked him to be an early contributor. And and I know uh, you know they they lost a uh, the top tight end in free agency, um, and, and he obviously feels a need, but. Uh, I think he's going to bring some value in the run game, specifically too, uh, in creating a numbers advantage uh, in in the interior. So that pick uh, interested me because of kind of the the twofold um, skill set he brings to the table. Uh, you look at Demarvion Overshone, I think he's probably going to be a sub package player, but I mean we're we're talking about him and potentially Micah Parsons rushing on. Third downs uh, as blitzers, and and that that's an enticing package to, to throw together. I don't expect him to be a full time starter, either. But but I think he can can bring kind of an interesting skill set, uh, skill set that I don't want to say mirrors Michael Parsons, but kind of similar type of profile coming out uh, in terms of range and, and what he's able to, how much ground he's able to cover um, as a non traditional linebacker. Uh, Viliami Fajoko, to me, I think he's going to surprise some people in terms of uh how many snaps he ends up getting uh played both three tech and five tech at uh san jose state um and, and you can move him around a little bit he's not just a guy that's going to be a stand-up defensive end not just be a a 4-3 defensive end i think he can play a little bit of three tech and five tech uh for them and uh, then depth wise you bring in uh a, Uh, Awesome Richards from North Carolina as well. I don't expect him to start either, but I think he can uh, kind of bolster some of the depth issues that Dallas has uh, on their offensive line. So to me, I think their class is a little bit more. I wouldn't say it's going to be ready tomorrow, but I think they're they may be depending on injuries and uh, just the people ahead of them. I could see them playing a little bit earlier than, than some people expect, especially like Overshown, uh, Fahoka, and uh, Richards uh, of that draft class.
1: Yeah, Dallas is super interesting to me because I think they kind of embody this like anti-Philadelphia draft philosophy where like Howie Roseman's very much like, we're going to take the top dude on the board. We're going to take the top dude on the consensus boards. Uh, And even if we don't really have a spot for them to play right now or we have a bunch of people ahead of them, they're the best player. Let's just put them here. Uh, You see it with like Jalen Carter. They already, you know, they have that defensive line depth. They're just going to add the best player. Nolan Smith, they have edge rush depth. They're just going to add the best player. Um, And I think with Dallas, it's much more. We're going to draft players who we have a role for, who can play this role really well. And this role will complement all the other players on our roster. Uh, And I think they're very comfortable in just taking their guys that they've identified to do that. Well, I think Mozzie Smith, his impact is going to be significantly more than what you get out of the box score because it's going to create Micah Parson and Demarcus Lawrence plays. And I think it opens up uh, guys like uh, Canadian Bacon, uh, Neville Gallimore to, <laughs> I was like, I can't think of it for a sec. And Osa Odejizua. Like I, there's, there's guys on there who can really, really dominate in some one-on-one matchups who maybe aren't the best at holding into that, you know, stout defensive line, keeping other guys clean. And I think Mazi immediately comes into that. I think Dallas tight ends aren't the focal point of their passing attack, but Dak loves to dump it off if he sees that that's the, you know, I'm not going to go make a play down the field right now. We need to move the ball down, you know, kind of methodically. They like to just get the ball to the tight ends, let the tight ends go make a play up the field. Schumacher's got the kind of athletic traits that that project towards that, and then they need to, you know, kind of secure that running game a little bit. And like you said, he adds to that. So I I do think that the Cowboys, you know, kind of anti-Philly – get guys who some people are going to be like, Oh, I can't believe Dallas took them. What are Mozzie Smith only had two and a half sacks as a rookie or whatever, if he even gets that, but his, you know, impact could theoretically be you know greater than Jalen Carter's impact in Philly, even though I don't think either of us think that Mozzie Smith is a comparable player to Jalen Carter as a prospect, just kind of the roles that they already have cut out for these guys, I think is, is important. And it's, it's a good foundation that Dallas builds for them to have successful draft classes that they do have.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, and we talked about maybe having some honorable mentions. So you have any honorable mentions in terms of uh, draft classes that uh, you can, can, can produce uh, sooner than we think?
1: Yeah, one of the ones I wanted to throw some love to was uh, the Bears specifically, just because I think you've got you know, instant Justin Fields protection with Darnell, right? You're just going to plug and play him at right tackle. I think that defensive line had some major question marks. There weren't a ton of like NFL level players there. You spend two of your first four picks and German Dexter and Zach Pickens. I think both of those guys can be, I think they, they do completely different things for a defensive line, which is kind of what you want. You kind of like similar to a receiving core. You like having a defensive line, kind of like a basketball team where one guy's really doing a great job eating up double teams and, keeping other guys fresh and clean. One guy's dominating mismatches can play inside outside. So I really like that young tandem. And then I also like the fact that they brought in Tyreek Stevenson to play across Jalen Johnson. And then Roshan Johnson's a guy who I think we've all identified as that day three running back. Who's got a really, really good chance to just be a starting running back. Uh, we know Corey loves Tyler Scott. He's got a good chance to be that wide receiver four. Uh, and then Noah Sewell was a guy that a lot of people liked. Obviously they went and signed a couple linebackers this year. So he probably doesn't play much this year, but. Uh, that just the Bears class, I think, has a good chance of getting onto the field
0: early. Uh, a lot of guys getting on the field early and that being an up-and-coming team in the NFC. For sure. I'm going to give some load to the Broncos. I think they're they're going to have a few guys that uh, that get on the field early. You got Marvin Mins Jr. Uh, you bring him in in the second round. Drew Sanders, they're going to find a role for him uh, and bring him in, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, as a pass rusher, uh, as a true linebacker. I'm very interested to see uh how early or in where does he fit on that Denver defense? Uh, They love their, their versatile, uh, you know, pass rushers. Uh, And then Riley Moss, I think uh, it, I don't think right now there's a a particular uh, spot for him, but I think he's going to find and and carve a role uh, maybe potentially as a nickel. Maybe they, they try him out at safety, but I think he's going to find, find a role uh, on that defense. And JL Skinner is just my guy. I I, hey. I really think he's going to find, even if it's just special teams Go make plays, yeah. early on, I, I think they're going to unleash him and, and allow him to make some plays. Uh, so I, I think Denver's draft class, they only only have five players that they drafted. Yeah. But um, I, I think the the first three names especially uh, have a nice chance of getting on the field and, and being an impact player.
1: Yeah, one of the one of the really cool things I've taken after the draft, you know, of watching all of the you know coaching press conferences and leading into the rookie mini camps and kind of digesting all of that information is that like the Broncos and Sean Payton specifically like are really big Marvin Mims guys. Like it wasn't all right. Let's look at the board. All right, cool. Marvin Mims is there at the top. We kind of want a receiver. Like it was like a Marvin Mims is that guy. We're this is who we wanted. This was what we wanted to come away with. A part of me makes me wonder about the Cortland Sunday and Jerry Judy relationship, but I think Mims is going to be your day one punt returner, day one wide receiver three. Uh, I think they're going to be, they're going to use him a lot. They're going to get him on the field a lot. And if Sean Payton's a huge fan of him, I think you've got a good opportunity to kind of guess
0: that he's going to get a lot of touches early. Sure. Uh, Now we're going to kind of switch gears and and talk about offensive and uh, defensive rookie of the year candidates. Uh, We'll start with defense first because offense obviously is going to get the big talk. Um, Who is your pick to uh, win defensive rookie of the year and and who is your sleeper pick?
1: So I was going through it and obviously like a favorite is going to be Will Anderson. I didn't do Will Anderson for a specific reason, which we'll talk about later. Um, So my pick for defensive rookie of the year is actually the commander's first round pick, Emmanuel Forbes, I think. As much as we kind of hate it, these you know end of year words are very, very much influenced by the box scores. I think Forbes has an opportunity to you know start from day one. That's the expectation is that'll be an outside cornerback on a, a pretty good defense, a defense that expects to finish within the top five to ten uh, in most categories. A uh, defense that struggled to create turnovers last year, but can you know hurry the quarterback, make the quarterback feel like he's out of time, rush his process a little bit, and Forbes has the instincts the athletic ability and the ball skills to put up some pretty gaudy production numbers. And while I don't think that he's going to be the best cornerback or the best defensive rookie, that's not always the, the requisite for being the defensive rookie of the year. I think if he's, you know, in put in a position where he leads all cornerbacks and tackle all rookie cornerbacks and tackles and interceptions, and he, you know, gives us a pick six or two. Uh, he's got an opportunity to put up a lot of box score numbers. And I think that's going to play into defensive rookie of the year, height especially if the commanders are in that you know 500 race or 500 level to to wild
0: card race for sure uh this one's always a tough one because it's like all right who is going to control the narrative and obviously from probably from the first couple games we knew sauce gardner was probably going to win defensively here um we have such a good corner class i'm gonna go christian gonzalez from from new england and to me, it came down to edge or uh, defensive back. And when I look at the edges that got drafted and, and some of the particular landing spots, like, you know, after like Will Anderson, like Tyree Wilson, you're just like, I don't know if Lucas Van Ness is going to have the, yeah. the snaps to do it. Murphy Staying went later me. than we
1: thought. Yeah, Nolan Smith barely landed in the first and Philly's loaded. No, 100%. Yeah,
0: yeah. so it, it was a little bit tough, but I think – uh you know Gonzalez specifically you look at the division they're playing in I mean god <laughs> Stefan Diggs Jalen Waddle, um uh Tyreek Hill all in that division obviously yeah, Garrett Wilson, yeah. too. he's gonna get tested a lot so I think it's gonna give him an opportunity to um you know at least have make plays on the football and it was something that He specifically wanted to improve in his final season, and he did that. Um, So I'm going to go Christian Christian Gonzalez. I think he gets, um, you know, four or five picks as a rookie and really makes an impact for for New England. Um, But this was a tough one because, like, to me, it's like your heart tells you he's probably going to be an edge rusher, but then it's like you look at the list of the players they got drafted. It's a deep edge class, but Mm – we don't know who's going to, you know, after like Anderson and, and uh, Tyree Wilson. It's like, who's going to play enough snaps to, to qualify?
1: Yeah, and, and that, I think, part. and like yeah, like you said with the, you know, edge rushers, the landing spots aren't great. Well, I think the cornerbacks is kind of the inverse. Seattle takes Devin Witherspoon. That's a great place for him to get an opportunity to make plays, both at the line of scrimmage and with the balls in the air, and especially with the year that Tariq Woolen had last year. Quarterbacks aren't going to want to test him as much. They know that he's, you know, a walking interception if you give him the opportunity. So they're going to throw it at at Witherspoon, who's probably a better quarter than Woolen. Don't tell Seahawks fans, but, you know, that's a real thing that might, you know, he's not going to produce as many interceptions. But if we're talking about just pure coverage skills, like that's that's that dude. So I think he was, you know, obviously Forbes, I talked about his fit and what they like doing, you know, in that kind of Josh Norman off ball role where you just kind of get to use your instincts and make plays on the ball. Um, we talked about Deontay Banks and his, you know, the perfect fit with Wink Martindale. And so, yeah. And then Christian Gonzalez, obviously New England loves that number one lockdown cornerback, whether it's JC Jackson, Stefan Gilmore, go back literally 25 years of Bill Belichick, always having a good cornerback or CB one that they didn't have, you know, this past year. So I do think that Christian Gonzalez is also put in that um, spot. One guy that I do think, um, and I, you know, we already talked about Will Anderson, so I won't consider him an honorable mention, but Everyone, everyone memed the pick and rightfully so, but Jack Campbell is probably going to make plays for Detroit, right? If you're spending the 18th overall pick on him, you're going to want him on the field a bunch. Um, if dude has 130 tackle season with like three sacks and two interceptions and two forced fumbles, you know, just a standard starting linebacker box score sheet, people are going to, people are going to like you. People are going to think, oh, this is a rookie who came in and was, know one of the 15 most productive linebackers in the nfl this deserves defensive rookie of the year hype so i do think he'll probably get some too
0: yeah i wouldn't I, I would definitely uh watch out for that uh as well i mean especially with him going that high yeah uh they're they're planning on starting him immediately so yeah, like what if he leads
1: the league in tackles like i'm sure i'm sure people would vote for him for defensive rookie of the year oh
0: yeah they will definitely be um you know um uh, <laughs> a big you know kind of push for him to, yeah. to do so um for my sleeper i'm gonna go Jair brown from for the 49ers he's in this kind of the same uh kind of thinking in terms of like all right he's gonna play safety he's probably gonna play uh deep safety for the 49ers as well it's gonna be opportunities for him i think to uh, make some plays on the ball that defensive line is crazy uh, I could see several scenarios where the quarterback's getting hit as he's throwing and it just kind of falls into his lap. Um, and I think he's going to be a high-volume tackler as well. I think, I mean, obviously you've got uh, Fred Warner on that defense, uh, Nick Bosa, uh, so many good players, Javon Hargrave added to the mix. Um, but but I would I would watch out for, you know, the secondary's kind of influx a little bit. Um, they're gonna test probably their corners especially, so I think it's gonna give him some opportunities to uh, make some plays on the ball, on the the deep thirds and halves. So he's a a guy to me as a, as a potential sleeper um, in terms of doing so. I'll also consider Jordan Battle as well uh, as a potential sleeper pick as well because I think those guys are gonna be high volume. Uh, bring them down into the box in the run game to, to also be that extra fit, and and if they have the stats to do so, I could could certainly see, uh, especially both of them being on playoff teams, Battle on the Bengals uh, and, and Brown on the 49ers. I could, I could see the push for them as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the Niners moved up for Brown, so you know they have an idea or a role for him, and the Bengals lost literally all of their safeties uh, in free agency, so Battle's going to literally get to play wherever the Bengals want him to. So, yeah, both of those guys definitely have an opportunity to produce a ton uh, this year.
0: All right. Flipping to the, the offensive side of the ball. Uh, obviously the most popular pick is going to be Bijan uh, to be offensive work of the year, but, but who's your pick um, to, to be the offensive rookie of the year in uh, 20, the 2023 season.
1: Well, similar to MVP, as far as I'm concerned, this is a quarterback award and it's to me, it's going to end up like, obviously Bijan is going to be great, but I don't think the Falcons are going to be great. So maybe like the Bijan hype brings it in, but the the parallels between Bryce Young and, and CJ Stroud's like rookie seasons are both pretty interesting fresh rebuild year one um a lot of encouraging moves made for like the, both the Panthers and the 49ers between you know Frank Reich and that offensive staff that the Panthers have put in uh they drafted Icky uh you know Icky to be that left tackle that blindside protector brought in Jonathan Mingo um and then on the inverse with the Texans they went out and got the you know, San Francisco tree, bring in that Kyle Shanahan lineage to fill out that coaching staff. And they added pass catchers. They added offensive line help. You know, they traded for Shaq Mason and extended him. Um, went out and grabbed Dalton Schultz. So I, I think there's a lot of similarities between these guys. And the biggest one is they both play in crappy divisions. There's the Jaguars are the best team among the eight teams in these two divisions, the NFC South and the AFC South. And so I think there's a legitimate chance that both of these teams could at least flirt with a playoff push or, or at least, you know, maybe be in that week, 15, 16 race of trying to still fight for a chance to be in that, that dance at the end of the year. And so I'm going to roll with who my QB one is. I'm going to roll with CJ Stroud. Uh, I like the, the things around him that make me comfortable. I love the tackles uh, and bringing in Shaq Mason. Obviously I'm glad they still have Laramie Tunsil. You have a receiving core that's young, but I think there's a lot of talent in it Um, or at least, there's, there's quality NFL bodies and players. You can go and get an elite number one guy at some point next year, but I'm going to roll with CJ Stroud. They have that running game with Damian Pierce heading it. So I I think, you know, offensive rookie of the year is a quarterback award. I'm going to roll with the quarterback. I'm going to roll with the quarterback that I had at the top of my board.
0: Yeah. I I can't, uh, you know, discount that for sure, Uh, but I'm going to go another quarterback in this division. I'm going to go Anthony Richardson to win rookie of the year. And I think it, to me, he gets the edge. Assuming that he starts from day one, and like they they just you know let him roll um, from day one. Obviously, if not, it gets a little bit more complicated. But as we saw, um, you know Brock Purdy won uh, offensive rookie year. He didn't even play like half the season. So I, I'm gonna go with Richardson because I think they're going to let him run the ball and run the ball quite a bit. Like I know they want to protect their investment, but I think they're they're going to unleash his running game. And, and, like, we've seen what defenses have, how defenses have adjusted to, like, Lamar Jackson uh, and his running ability, uh, what Cam Newton did back in the day. But, like, every time we get, like, a guy that's, like, a dual threat talent, defenses just never know how to defend them. And I think because he's going to be the the true kind of blend of of size, athleticism, uh, power and speed, I think they're gonna have a difficult time uh corralling him in the pocket. So I think he's gonna put up uh I don't think they're gonna be good, but I think they're gonna he's gonna put up a lot of stats, a lot of total touchdowns, especially when they get near the goal line, going to be running a lot of QB sneaks and and you know, QB run type plays. So I could see him racking up twenty, twenty five total touchdowns and, and they're like, okay, we we just got to give it to this guy. Even if Stroud and Young both put up some really good numbers. And I expect you know them to to really settle in and especially look better you know as passers. But, but I think with combined with Richardson's running ability, I I I feel like it's the the uh, the war was made for a type of player for, of his skill set uh, to succeed and 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 win that type of award uh, as a rookie. Do you think he rushes for a thousand yards if he starts seventeen games? Uh, I don't think so. I'm, I I, think he I does. can see him getting like seven hundred, eight hundred. Cause I just feel like the first like three four games he's gonna go crazy, like he's just gonna have absurd rushing numbers, like and teams are just gonna, stars, and then it's gonna start dipping off a little bit, uh, and they're they're gonna sell out to make sure he doesn't do it, so
1: make him beat him as a passer,
0: yeah. So I I, I think that's how it's gonna go. I, it also really depends on like how, I mean it it could go the other way where he he just. They're selling out for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, that's another factor, too. Um, I don't think he'll get a 1,000 yards rushing, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we roll towards the end of the season he's getting close to it. Have so they I, released a sure season like line? Probably.
1: I wonder if they've released a, a season line, rookie betting lines, because I wonder what – if they already have his, like, rushing lines and stuff. It doesn't look like they do.
0: Yeah, it might it might be another month or two. Yeah, that would be really out. interesting because if he's if he's the,
1: well, and I guess that's hard too because you don't know if it's going to be him or Gardner. But I know I'm I could absolutely see him just have like video game numbers, even if like the passing efficiency is not there, just the raw total volume.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I could see that, that happening. Um, But we'll see. I mean, like I said, it really depends on if they they want to unleash him from day one or they want to kind of. Uh, waited out, and I could see them going either way at this point. Uh, it's still too early to tell. Um, but uh, in terms of sleeper picks, who you who do you have that you know m- maybe a non-quarterback uh, that you could see winning the award?
1: Yeah, well, obviously we've talked about Roshan. I think there's a good chance. Um, obviously Bijan uh, is the big guy that we love to talk about. I also really like the idea of Jackson Smith and Jigba just because he was like comfortably my top receiver. um, And I think if there's a locket or DK injury that he's going to get a chance to really show that he is the top pass catcher in this class. Um, And then the only other one that I think really has a a decent shot would be a guy like Hunter Henry, who could just kind of be that, or sorry, not Hunter Henry. um, Literally do this every single time. Uh, Michael Mayer, Uh, the alliteration, the whatever. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Michael yeah. Mayer to be, you know, that tight end one in Vegas. We know what McDaniels likes to do with that tight end. So I think he'll be a nice little outlet, a guy who puts up like 750 and seven. And if the quarterback's underwhelmed and, you know, Bijan's not the end all be all. And Michael Mayer is just a productive tight end. Then maybe he kind of sneaks his way in there. Um, probably would have to put up more than 750 and seven now that I think about it. But maybe it's like 950 and nine
0: and or 950 and 12. And he's a big time run blocker. For sure. Uh, Another name I thought about uh, was Jordan Addison for the Vikings. Um, I think he has a decent shot. I I don't know. My confidence level is probably like a five on that Uh, just because, you know, just Jefferson is going to command most of the targets. They also got TJ Hawkinson as well. Um, So it's going to be depending on how quickly he picks up the game. I think he's going to pick it up pretty quickly um, and how creative they get uh, with moving him around. But I could see him uh, really, really burst on the scene, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, Once he's comfortable in the offense, he's starting to to carve out a a really nice role. Uh, But the receivers, I could see him or or Jackson Smith and Jigba, but I can't really see any other receivers right now at this point. Uh, It's hard hard to tell if he's going to have an early role or not. But but just based on uh, the fact that they were – taking that high. And, and obviously Quinn Johnson has a small chance too, but I don't see him being like a, a thousand yard receiver right off the bat uh, either. So I, I would say probably Addison for me is my sleeper pick for that. Yeah. Of
1: the first round receivers, I think Addison has the easiest path to targets. Um, I do think JSN and Quinn Johnson kind of enter camp as de facto wide receiver threes. Like there's not much competition there. They're, they're probably not going to beat someone out to be the, number two or number one guy um, in those offenses. And then with Zay Flowers, it's kind of the Baltimore thing where it's like, what the what the hell is going to happen? We have no idea. Um, and then with Addison, it's like, yeah, that's wide receiver two because the alternative is K.J. Osborne. So we're like, yeah, that guy, even if, you know, T.J. and, and Justin Jefferson get 70% of the targets, he's still probably going to get a, a pretty big majority of those 30% left. And then I think outside of round one for the receivers, I think Jonathan Mingo has probably got the best chance to just kind of be – Huge target guy, come in with Bryce Young, get some chemistry with him in training camp or in rookie camp. They don't have a bunch of talent surrounding him right now. So I think Mingo's got a really, really good chance to kind of just be Carolina's de facto big body wide receiver one and have a good ability to create a chemistry with Young, especially with that head start he has on everybody else already on that roster.
0: Yeah, that's another good one uh, as well. Someone to watch as well, too um as, as we get ready for the and paris johnson
1: jr he's going to be the best performing offensive rookie this year he's not going to get votes but he locked that one up. day though they'll get
0: uh <laughs> offensive rookie of the year to uh a tackle because tristan Worst definitely should have won his um, year. you're
1: preaching you're preaching
0: but well i will see man maybe
1: <laughs> they, they heard it too
0: yeah they uh, they they definitely agree um all right, uh, as we uh, wrap up the show here, uh, some 2024 talk, just some preliminary stuff. I know you've been diving into some of the 2024 tape early on. Uh, who are some players you've you gotten to watch? And, and just give us a, a quick synopsis of, uh, you know, what you've learned or, or things you noticed so far, uh, early scouting in 2024.
1: Yeah, so the three completed ones I have so far for summer scouting are Caleb Williams, Jake May, Oluwamu Fashanu, um, I have gotten – I'm pretty close, probably like 70% done on both of the Notre Dame tackles. Um, so we'll probably talk about them for the next episode. But both are really, really good. This tackle class is phenomenal because I've heard a ton of great things about the Alabama kid. And Corey loves the Georgia kid. So that's five guys right there that, you know, I have a lot of trust in the people who are telling me these are good players. So, you know, who knows. But Fishanu, Stud. Uh, actually, I probably should have been prepared and pulled up my – Um, scouting report so I have like offhand things to say but the pass pro just and obviously we knew this from last year but just going over it again specifically like rewatching the Ohio State game I was one thing I really really wanted to do Um, but the pass protection pacing the creating his depth but not going too far into it right he's not kickstepping five yards back if if there's no defensive end gaining ground on him but he's not you know under settling if you know a guy's right here, but he's not making contact. It's a perfect balance of knowing where to keep his body in between the rusher and the quarterback. The hands are really good, and then just with the Caleb May and or the Caleb Williams and Drake May stuff, uh, I know it was a little bit uh, talked about on the timeline. May's really, really good, and I, I don't want my people to think that my tweets are a disdain for May. He's a really, really fun player to watch. The tools are just to me like non-comparable too. I think I think the arms good I think the rushing ability is good I think where he's better than Caleb is something that's pretty easily developed it's playing in that structure it's playing in rhythm it's it's kind of being a little bit more methodical than just making all the plays happen but we know that in the NFL it is the off script stuff it is the plays that most people can't make it's the instant reaction to the, let me put this ball here because that's the only place my wide receiver can catch. it. And while I think Drake may does have, you know, that off schedule stuff. And he's more than capable of making plays out of the pocket and out of structure. I think that Caleb Williams is, is like generational at it is, you know, when, when scouts are saying, Oh, he's the closest thing we've gotten to Patrick Mahomes since Patrick Mahomes. It's like half of me is like, Oh, you guys suck. Cause you hated Patrick Mahomes. Like you didn't, you took him at 10, you took, Solomon Thomas and Mitchell Trubisky and Jamal Adams in the top five. And Patrick Mahomes fell to 10. So let's not act like the NFL loved him. But as far as a prospect who does the stuff that Pat does at the NFL level, it really is Caleb. And people have talked about the height. I really don't think it's – it's not like a Bryce Young thing where he's like 5'9". He might be (laughs) 5'11". It is what it is. Um, Bryce Young also didn't have the same arm or the same butt or the – like just the – the athletic tools are are ridiculous, like insane – the arm is crazy. The ball placement's really, really good. There's a ton of stuff to work on, but I don't really blame him for the, the, you know, the narrative is that he's not great in structure or that he has to kind of just make plays happen. He kind of just stands behind, you know, a pretty big pocket. But USC sucks, bro. Like, yes. Watching that offense was, was <laughs> terrible. Like, nobody gets open. Um, there's a reason Jordan Addison, all of his – People talk like, oh, Jordan Addison didn't create separation like he did at Pitt, at USC. That's not his fault. It's because... Yeah, nobody else did. Yeah, Lincoln... I don't know what Lincoln Riley's doing, or, or I guess, you know, maybe just defenses caught on. But, yeah, like, watching the tape specifically, especially against Utah, like, it was really prevalent. Like, Utah just had his number, where they just knew exactly what was going to happen where each receiver was going to end up, and there was just nowhere to throw the ball to. So he had to run around to create chaos to then create openings, and I think that that ability is so special and his specifically is so transcendent that that's why he's been such a productive and dominant player. And I think it's just going to translate easy. And I know it's May and it's 2023 and the draft not till next April, but like throw down your money on Caleb Williams first overall pick as soon as you see odds that you like. Yeah, People said it about Bryce Young going into last year. Then it was like, oh, is Bryce Young going to be this dude? People said it about CJ Stroud going into last year. You know, those are the top two quarterbacks. We go through this draft process of AR and Will Levis and Reddit and who were the first two quarterbacks taken.
0: It always happens. That's Every what I'm year. saying. I mean, obviously, there are some years where it, it shouldn't happen that way. I mean, we know with the fields in, in Trevor Lawrence draft, it should have <laughs> happened that should've way. Should have been fields. But, you know. But, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said, man. Um, I watched, like, the USC game, like, eight of the – 12 or 13 games, USC mm-hmm. games live. You're just like, all right, this dude is, he's the first pick. is like, yeah, just ridiculous. I'm, I'm excited to like actually dive in and do so. Uh, but I start with receivers first. I went with Antoine Wells, Jr. From South Carolina, uh, receiver. Uh, he's actually someone that's been on my radar for a couple of years now. Um, cause I was watching the FCS playoffs a couple of years ago and he was tearing up with, with James Madison <clears throat> ended up with 15 touchdowns and, uh, almost 1,300 yards receiving, uh, and and it kind of caught on to South Carolina with Spencer Rattler. Uh, he became their uh number one guy last year, even though they had Jaheim Bell and and other weapons on that offense. Um, he actually had more yards than the next two receivers combined on the roster, <laughs> just to show you how wide the discrepancy is. Uh, but he's a really smooth player. He's not like overly explosive or overly sudden, but uh, to me, I, I felt like he was a good, really good route runner, had a nice feel of, um, you know, how to attack press man coverage, uh, finding the holes in zone coverage, um, just finding holes downfield and never uh, kind of letting the plays die. Uh, I found like every time Spencer Rattler was, was scrambling out of the pocket, uh, he was finding ways to, to create open lanes and uh, allow him to uh, throw him, uh, you know, throw him open um, and making himself available. Um, really has a really he has a really nice uh, post corner route uh, turns around DBs every time um, and and he has inside out ability too they throw him in the slot occasionally uh, he plays uh, you know kind of uh, outside receiver in the boundary um, and I, I think he was just overall solid player to me uh, I'll probably give him a, a round three grade just based off of summer scouting um, and and just kind of going more so just by day. So he'd be like a, a midday two grade for me. Uh, but I, I felt he was really solid, uh, really solid all around player uh, that really came on strong. The, the final last couple of games uh, had a monster game against Clemson. Uh, also had a really nice game against Tennessee uh, towards the end of the season when South Carolina started to find their stride. It um, has some really arrogant hands like, he, he catches everything thrown this
1: way. I was gonna say I I feel like because I watched a little bit of Rattler recently when there was like um when Ryan Roberts tweeted about the like arm ability or the the arm strength in college football and all the quarterbacks so I wanted to like familiar just just to re familiar myself with, with everyone's tools prior to tweeting out what I thought um, and I was gonna say yeah I do remember just like the
0: the at the catch point specifically um, him coming down with everything with Rattler. Yeah, yeah, he's really, really good in contested catch situations. Um, I I didn't like that a lot of his catches were contested and, and he didn't create a ton of separation, uh, so something to watch going into next season, but uh, was really impressed with his skill set, his size. He's like six one two ten, uh so, so decent size. Um, we'll see kind of how he, he shapes out, but I mean, he was first team All-SEC last year, uh, really good receiver for South Carolina. I really like him and like his game. Uh, and then right before we started recording, I finished up uh, Will Shepard, uh, Vanderbilt receiver. Um, another really interesting uh, player, a uh, bit bigger, 6'3, uh, 200 pounds, uh, skinny frame. Um, I thought at times he released really well off the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, really uses his body well at the catch point, had a nice. Nice couple catches downfield against Georgia and Alabama uh in, in traffic and one on one with uh aid McKinstry uh from Alabama as well. Um has some concentration drops uh throughout the tape for sure. Um I mean there were just times where he, he was catching the ball away from his frame, extending um and in and, and doing so, but then other times he lay against his body and just dropped it so one thing I want to see is is him clean up his drops for sure, but uh, he's going to be a, a, a really nice red zone uh, threat, especially in the 23 season. Um, uses his big body well, uh, understands, uh, you know, the areas of the field he can can win at. Uh, not a natural separator, uh, although he does some, have some separation ability um, and, and has some acceleration too. Uh, so another guy to me is probably – in that day two day three area in terms of receiver wise, but uh, just two guys I wanted to to check off the list. We're going to do some SEC receivers. Going to do Malik Neighbors uh, next from LSU. So excited to to check him out. Uh, but wanted to to get into some receivers and, and get some names down uh, before I get to obviously Marvin Harrison Jr., sure. uh, both, uh, You know the the top names in the receiver.
1: So you mentioned him and I haven't done any, like it's all off of live. This is completely off of just live viewing and impressions that I've gotten over you know, the first two years of his career. But I really think Marvin Harrison is just probably going to be my highest rated receiver ever. Like just gut instinct, like the production, the size, the athletic tools, um, the polish that you get from Ohio State. And this year we're going to get to see him with a crappy quarterback potentially, uh, how he does. Like that'll be good for his, at least it's not like, oh well he played in this Ohio State offense or he played with this or whatever like there it really will just be kind of a foolproof and I think like there's a chance that he is just like the best receiver prospect we've had since like Calvin yeah um, obviously I could just be super off base and we'll see it's super early like we've said but that's just like kind of the vibe that he gives me
0: yeah I mean I, I got to watch him in person in the the semifinal game and he was I mean he was the best player on the field, and we're exactly. talking about, we're talking exactly. about players that win the first round and and Jalen Carter, obviously, on the field. Um CJ Stroud as well. Um you know, second pick, second overall pick. It's just crazy to me because it's like he just did it so effortless. Yeah, like, everything about his game is just like effortless. Like, you know, it's just you know, so technically sound in terms of how he stems guys. Every route he runs is always full speed. I never feel like, you know, you can tell like receivers know like the ball's not coming to him. Like you can, you literally can't tell with him. Yeah. It's just like every rep he runs, is like. And I, I think it's because, yeah, yeah. And he has that
1: kind of pro mentality, which you get from Ohio State and you get from being Marvin Harrison's kid, you know. Where it's kind of just like, a, you know, in the NFL, you have to run routes like you're, you're going to get the ball because quarterbacks move off their progression. So you will get the ball, right? Just because you're the first read doesn't mean you're getting the ball every time on that route or even close to every time. Um, and so you're like, you're spot on. It's effortless for him. And it's what's concerning for the rest of the world is that it's effortless for him at six foot four, 210 pounds or whatever he is, right? With, you know, probable four three nine forty 40 incoming or whatever. Like, it's just,
0: it's terrifying. Yeah, I I don't know, man. It's 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 going to be interesting cuz like you, talk Fushanu, Fushanu, you talked about Fushanu, Fashanu, you talked about Caleb Williams. I feel like those three are just like in a different area code in terms of like you know, like I know the tackle class is going to be really talented. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously quarterback with May and and Williams and then receiver class is, is going to be going to definitely have more than uh, I will not say more, definitely, but we're, certainly seems like we're going to have more first-round potential receivers, yeah. at least. Or high um, levels, like guys, no one went to yeah. 20, right? So guys who could right. be in the top 10 or 15. Right, but it just feels like those three names are just so... Yeah. Like, if you don't have them at the top of their position, at least from, from summer. Early, like, yeah, I agree. You know, like, like, what are we doing here? You know? <laughs> so, they will be interesting to watch, but yeah, Harrison, I agree with you. I think he could be... I don't like throwing the word generational, but I think he's generational.
1: Completely agree. No, I completely agree.
0: I, I think he's just, you just don't get a dude that size that runs that route. I mean, like, even like Calvin, which is so dominant. Like, I don't think, like, imagine like Calvin, like having the the route running skill that he had yeah calvin yeah calvin coming out
1: really was just like the most gifted person right like he yeah. was just like he was like he was on the You just looked at him and was like yeah are we even the same species but you know marvin harrison like you can tell he's just been playing wide receiver for 20 years and he's yeah. 20 years old
0: yeah uh but we'll we'll definitely have a lot more 2024 talk uh this summer uh as we now move into the 2024 class uh Hi. thanks Matt for for joining me today on on today's episode um anything you want to add before we wrap up here I don't think
1: so I hope everyone's gonna enjoy their summer um I'm you know we'll be here with the summer scouting talks uh I'll make sure to wrap up those Notre Dame tackles so we can talk about them next time but you know, I hope everyone stays safe and enjoys the warm weather
0: for sure uh you can follow him at MV scouting on Twitter you can follow me at real D underscore Jackson follow Corey on Twitter at fake it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a weird one to say uh but but once the uh the check marks were lifted uh he he changed out uh special happy birthday to him as well oh uh, yeah a, probably a big reason he, he was not on the podcast today uh but th- it'll be past his birthday when you' when you guys are hearing this but, but special happy birthday to to Corey as well I hope he's enjoying his time off but next time it'll be all three of us. Talking 2024 2024 scouting uh, and getting fully into summer scouting uh, as we prepare for the next draft class. But until next time, I'm Devin, that's Matt, uh, and this is the Daphne on Draft Podcast.